0: to the Divorce Recovery Podcast. My name is India Kern. My intention is to encourage and guide you through the valley of divorce. It doesn't matter what stage you are in because we all need a little help navigating the road from married to divorced. I've been there and I know how it is. So sit tight, listen up, and enjoy the podcast. Today we have a guest filling in for me. It's my husband, Bill Eversee, also known as Chief, and he will be interviewing me. And today's topic is on surviving the first days of divorce. This is when the crisis is hit, and you don't know which way is up. Oftentimes, I refer to it as being underwater. So with that being said, take it away, Chief.
1: We'll uh, jump right into this. Question one. For those new to divorce, what advice would you give them?
0: So I always say start with the basics. Eat, sleep, and exercise or self-care. Cause if you are not taking care of yourself, you certainly can't take care of anyone else like your children. So that's start there. And then number two, you need to find a spiritual practice. You need something larger than yourself because there's no picking yourself up by the bootstraps. You know, self-help is really non-existent. Because you gotta have God in the in the mix to help you get through this. Number three. Do not try to understand it. In fact, you may have to view your ex as being temporarily insane. Understanding will come later, I promise. Right now, it's survival mode and it's self-preservation. And number four, surround yourself with a dream team. What do I mean by that? I mean like like like-minded friends, your family, therapists, even a divorce recovery mentor, but make sure that these friends and family are healthy, because you definitely want to weed out the toxic relationships right now. You need healthy friends. I like to think of it like three jars. You have your physical health in one jar, your emotional well-being in another, and your spiritual life in another, okay? So if I said to you, how are you doing in the physical health, and you are like, gosh, I'm not. I'm depleted, and then Imagine your emotional well-being. This would be like, what are you doing to feed your soul? What are you doing to understand how you got here in the valley? And then the third one would be your spiritual life. What are you doing? Are you walking with God? Are you going to church? Are you having any kind of devotion? If any of these are completely depleted, you're going to find imbalance in your life. But what you can do is called counterbalancing. And this is when you may feed yourself with a little, you know, spiritual work by by studying the bible and then you go exercise as well and then maybe maybe your emotional well-being is running low but as long as you have a little bit in each jar there's going to be counterbalancing going on so like i said you don't have to have like a even putting it evenly in each jar just a little bit at all times keeping a counterbalance now i know that's a very elementary way of looking at things but it really helped me because the physical health i was running surfing Doing yoga, that helped me greatly. The emotional well-being, I was reading up. Like, how did I get here? Why did I pick the mate that I did? And then the spiritual life, I was I was in a Bible study, and I was going to church, and I was really diving deep in my devotions with God, and that was huge.
1: Well, what was the biggest challenge that you had to overcome to reach a place of peace?
0: I would say the biggest challenge was coming to a place of forgiveness because you know you have to get there. But it's so hard and you will have to go through the five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. View it like this. You're not going to go in a linear fashion. You're going to walk circles around each one of those. So, And you may even return back. So it's not like one straight shot. You may be bargaining, and then accept, and then jump jump back to denial. So again, it's not linear at all. And if you think about forgiveness, unforgiveness is the opposite. Well, that's what you would think, but it's not even a word because that's not what it is. Unforgiveness is anger. And it's essentially frozen anger that will bring illness to the mind, the body, and the soul if it lingers. And then it can turn into full-on depression. So this is another reason you really have to release. You have to forgive your ex. You even have to forgive yourself for what has happened. So it's surrendering. I love this quote, and it's by Dr. Arch Hart. Forgiveness is surrendering my right to hurt you back. So basically forgiveness is giving up the right or giving up the idea of vengeance and being more like Jesus and walking in his path. You know, it's not an eye for an eye. It's actually the opposite. It's forgiveness over and over again. So that's the number one thing was forgiveness. And then another really hard thing was taking responsibility in the fall of my marriage because I was like, well why why is it my fault? I wasn't the one that got out. He was the one that left. How could this possibly be my problem? How could I have any responsibility in this, but I soon discovered that the marriage I had was broken, and I was accepting the unacceptable, which became the status quo, which then evolved into the disintegration of the marriage. Another thing that I think was a challenge was the pain. You know, I had to really sink in the pain, and my advice to you if you're facing it and you that crisis has hit and you don't know what to do just know you're you're going to have to experience the rawness of it all and in order to heal i had to sink deep in the pain feel it grieve it and then i could move on and that's the healing process and then another thing is accepting the family you are now so things turned out differently than you expected so now it's time to create a new norm and that can be you know creating that what I was referring to with the three cups, like creating a spiritual life and a physical a physical activity and emotional well being, you have to really start figuring out your new norm and creating a new life. But not focusing and looking in the rear view mirror, always thinking, Well, I could have, I should have, I wish it had been. Instead you're gonna have to start going forward.
1: Yeah, well that sounds like a lot of heavy lifting.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a lot a lot of information. <laughs>
1: What do you feel are some of the myths about divorce?
0: You know, I think many times divorce may be seen as the easy way out. But in reality, people cannot imagine how brutal divorce can be. And those of you, the listeners out there that are walking through it, you know what I'm talking about. And I think it's time to come clean about co-parenting. That is, there's nothing natural about it. And no matter what you see on social media, I think there's this guy on social media that says that he, you know, on his ex-wife's birthday, he got up and and took her flowers and and all this nonsense. That I, I honestly, when I saw that, I think that's great, and it's probably a 1% of the population that's doing that because there's really no seamless transition from couple to co-parents. In fact, I read an article that just hit the nail on the head, and the author was Jessica Rodriguez. Yes. Um, So she said, successfully sharing the person or the persons who bring you the most joy with the person that brings you the most pain is nothing short of a miracle. And that's what makes co-parenting and divorce so unnatural. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that we should never divorce because I, I have a wonderful man sitting right next to me right now and I have a great marriage. But my point is co-parenting is, is hard. Divorce is hard. Um, it can be done, but I want you listeners to know that you are not alone if you are struggling in this department, especially when you see the social media with all this you know rainbows and unicorns around it because it's really not the case. Um, the truth is everyone's affected, even the spouse that wants out, you know. And then if you have kids involved, They are drastically affected, and uh, sometimes I think they go through post-traumatic stress syndrome, and um, I like to think of it like an amputee. So you have an amputee, and he's missing an arm. Of course, he can function without the arm, but if he had his choice, he would like to have the arm reattached. Well, just like kids of divorce, they would like to have the other parent still a part of the household, but that's not going to happen.
1: So what do you see are some of the roadblocks that uh, you could advise listeners to look out for if they're walking through the Valley of Divorce right now?
0: Well, one big one is dating too soon. I think that happens to a lot of us. It certainly happened to me. Um, I was not ready. I was already had ties of dysfunction with my first marriage, and then I ended up dating a guy that was also a big ball of dysfunction, so it was just... I needed to heal before I could really give to anyone else, and I jumped in too soon thinking that would take my mind off of it, and it didn't do anything but give me more stress. And then on top of that, a big mistake would be introducing the Mr. New Guy or Mr. New Gal to the kids, because most likely that first one is definitely not going to work out. (laughs) 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 And then... um, Another thing is staying stuck in the past. You know, it prevents healing and growth of any kind. When you're focusing on the past, you're holding on to the anger, and that frozen anger becomes depression and bitterness, and you become jaded, and then you're miserable to be around. So um, that's something that also you want to avoid. And then another thing is I think uh, we have a lot of divorce guilt and then it leads to permissive, being a permissive parent. And so what happens, you start doing things out of convenience rather than conviction. So you allow things that you would normally not allow because it's convenient to you. And you have that divorce guilt. Whereas these kids need boundaries. Even when they're going through hard times, they still need boundaries. So um, stick to your guns there. It's a lot more convenient to allow an infraction to slide. But if you do, the kids will run with it and become, and then you become a pushover.
1: Let's talk a little bit about forgiving yourself. I'm sure there's some people out there that uh, may not have a hard time forgiving other people. They may be pretty nice and mm-hmm. willing to take a lot of responsibility. Yet, what what I've seen is that those people have the hardest time forgiving themselves. So, is there anything? in regards to self-forgiveness that you'd want to share?
0: I think you have to approach it with gentleness. You have to be gentle and kind to yourself. And it's and you, you really have to treat yourself like this is a time of nurturing. For me, this is what I did. I had to recreate a new life. And that looked like this. Having quiet time with God, a devotion, diving deep into my spiritual walk. That was probably the number one thing I did. Another thing would be really getting into a physical activity, whether it was yoga or walking or surfing or running, just taking my mind off of the situation for an hour just helps so greatly. And then the third thing, as I mentioned, is really studying why I got there. Like, why did I choose the things I did? Why Did I do the things I did? And understanding that I accepted the unacceptable, which became the status quo, which then caused the demise or the disintegration of the marriage. So I think it's many things. It's self-education. It's applying gentleness to yourself and then establishing a new norm.
1: So what about the concept of radical self-forgiveness? Perhaps we become impassioned and motivated and inspired through stories. So what if you created a story and there's some, there's some biblical stuff put in here, Mm -hmm. but maybe this was God's story and he meant for you to go through this because he had something waiting for you on the other side. So if you looked at your situation and just realized the other people involved, because there's always other people involved, that they were just fulfilling the role that they were, they were fulfilling God's role that helped God execute his plan.
0: I call it destiny directed by God. And I do think that all the pain, you never go through pain for no reason. There's a reason, there's a lesson to learn. And I believe that I wouldn't remove myself from my first marriage. So God did it for me. And out of that pain... I discovered my purpose, which is to help other people walk through the valley of divorce and walk through transitions. Now, how would I have ever known or how would I have ever gotten to this point if I hadn't have gone through all the pain? So I feel like that that really was the whole reason for me to get, become a better Christian, closer to God, and to discover my purpose. So what brought me so much pain brought me purpose. So yes, I agree. I think it was orchestrated by God, or you want to, if you want to call it, of course we have free will, but you can call it, or I call it, destiny directed by God, because there was a purpose to it all.
1: Did that allow you to forgive yourself and forgive your ex-husband easier?
0: Yes, I think that seeing that, well, living this life now, Um, compared to what I was doing before, I'm truly living now. Whereas before, it was almost like I was walking a treadmill life, very predictable. But now I have so much purpose. I get up with so much excitement about what's to come today. I'm excited about doing podcasts. I'm excited about helping people. I live a life, I try to live a life of service. And what a difference that is.
1: So could you feel such joy and happiness in regards to what happened that you could actually thank your ex-husband?
0: Oh, yeah. I actually do thank him in my book. I have a a thank you note to my ex-husband because I like the India that has walked through the valley of divorce better than the India that never experienced the pain and the hardship. I'm, I am have so much conviction and a purpose now. and And so, yes, I can totally thank you. Thank you for all that happened, because I wouldn't be where I am now. I wouldn't have this wonderful marriage with you, and I wouldn't have created with God this beautiful life.
1: Okay. So is it safe to say that at the end of the day, it's just a choice? Because you chose how to view your circumstance?
0: I do think it's a choice. Now, some people, it's gonna take a really long time to get to that, and in the beginning, um, that may make you mad. I remember one conversation we had, and you said, well, how can you take responsibility in the divorce? And I looked at you like, what are you talking about? (laughs) You know what happened. How how can I possibly find responsibility in this? And I remember getting so mad at that question, but I wasn't ready to face what I had been doing also to help because it takes two people to build up a marriage and it takes two people to tear it down.
1: Yeah, and it's something we talk about on a daily basis in regards to uh, your girls is that everything ultimately is a choice and... As long as they are somehow involved, it may not be their fault, but they have to take responsibility. Right. And right. that whole part of someone's fault versus responsibility is a huge, right. huge uh, chasm. You know, we're helping span that gap. Right. Yet, whether you're uh, a teenager or whether you're uh, a grown adult. Right. The you getting... You
0: can take, it's not my fault position.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the, if you're involved, then you have responsibility, period. Right.
0: right. Totally. But if you're in the beginning, don't get mad at us because I would have gotten mad at listening <laughs> to this. But it's so true. And you will see it later. Just keep on doing those things. Keep educating yourself and find that spiritual walk. And, you know, work your body because that is only going to help you. I, there were so many times that I, was, I would sweat it out and feel like a new person.
1: Yeah, it's you must have a physical routine, a ritual that will allow your body to override your your feelings at the time.
0: Yeah, and you know, like if you surf or you do yoga. I mean, it's hard to think about your bad situation when you're surfing and trying to catch that wave and not get tumbled in the you know, in the in the waves or if you're doing a balancing pose, it's very hard to think about your problems at the same time of concentrating in that moment. So what I find exercise does, it keeps you in the moment and you need that because think about your day. How many times do you think about what if, or I should have, or you replay all these past events and really we Got to bring it back to the present, and that's why I so strongly encourage you to find some kind of physical activity. And if you aren't able to run or do hardcore sports, walk or swim or do something—just something—that's going to take you out of your headspace, out that mind chatter—is not going to happen as much when you're doing something that can take you, bring you into the moment.
1: Okay, wanted to thank my. Uh, lovely beautiful wife India Kern she's sharing uh, wonderful wisdom and great advice and she's uh, just a great open ear to hear anything that you may be going through
0: and I want to say thank you to my very handsome husband who I adore and he's always up for my crazy ideas and all my um, dreams so thank you for always supporting me so much
1: you're very welcome I love you
0: Love you too. So again, everyone, if you want to connect with me, connect to IndiaKern.com. And I hope you enjoy today's podcast and keep tuning in and have a beautiful day.